Hey everybody, it's Pastor Mike, and I want to say thank you for joining us today at LifePoint Church. We believe Sundays are an opportunity for you to know God. We also believe small groups, the best thing we do, are your opportunity to find freedom. For more information, including locations, service times, which small groups to participate in, please visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. My prayer for you as you listen to our message today is to encourage you and to help you take your next step to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Let's jump right into the message. Well, this summer we are road tripping through our values and our first stop we're making today is in a beautiful place. We're gonna get a closer look of our first two values of love God, love people. And values much like our traveling experiences shape who we are. And here at LifePoint, we have seven values. Love God, love people, pursue excellence, choose joy, give generously, develop leaders, and grow intentionally. And these values um, are building blocks for our faith and following Jesus. Each value builds upon one another. And each value helps shape our behaviors, our passions. They direct and drive the course of our life. And values play a pivotal role here at LifePoint. They help shape our culture. Our culture is not tangible, it's intangible. It's the, it kind of defines the atmosphere. It's how it feels when you get here. And we've all been to places where the atmosphere just felt a little off, right? Like some of us have been in places, we may not like to admit it, but we've been to places and we're like, God's not there, right? And we've also been to places, and hopefully one of these places is here, where you're like, God's presence is in fact here. And our desire is that you would feel the unmistakable presence of God, which in turn enables you to be encouraged, challenged, transformed, and changed. And I wanna encourage you as families to road trip with us through our values this summer. Make a list of your own values as well, And here's the thing, you can tell a lot about a person and a family according to what they value. Jesus actually said this in Matthew 6 and 21. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Simply put, what comes out of your heart determines what we treasure and value. And we all have various values. They can be diverse. They can look different from each family. However, as Christ followers, We should have some values that we commonly share. And they must be in the right order as well. And that's why we're starting off with our first two values of love God and love people. Now, I think it's important to first define as we go on this road trip, what is love? What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. No more. All right. Hey, did you know this, that there are over a hundred million recorded love songs in American history? This spans over all genres of music, rap, rock, country, and pop. They all have hit songs. If I were to say, shout to the heart. Bad name. All right. Well, I think you would agree, though, in the English language, we sometimes use the word love. We use it and we misuse it on a daily basis. I think it's fascinating how we tend to throw 
the word love around to describe things that we simply like or enjoy. And we've all been guilty of using love in situations where a lesser sentiment might be more appropriate. Consider this, I say, I love God, I love my wife, I love my kids, I love my dogs, I love grilling out, I love swimming, I love homemade Oreo ice cream, I love the Tennessee Vols, I love the Minnesota Vikings, I love sports in general, I love going to church, I love going on hunting trips. We declare our love for God, our love for people, while at the same time declaring our love for our favorite sports team, shoes, clothes, and even our love for pizza. It's it's as if love has expanded its territory into the realm of infatuation for personal possessions and experiences, and it doesn't stop there. We love TV, we love TV shows, and the proof is, When we fall in love with a TV show, we'll stay up all night binge watching it. And I think you'll agree that in our culture, we have a tendency to use love a little too liberally. In our love-infused world, the line between affection and genuine love becomes blurred. We find ourselves showing endearment to objects, to fleeting experiences, as if their sole purpose is to ignite our passions. And while at the same time, It may describe our extreme likability for something. The effect is that we devalue the term love. So when we hear that God is love, do we fully grasp it? Do we fully grasp that God is love? Now, love can look different depending on how you were raised and what culture you come from. However, what does God say about love? Well, there's this amazing description of love in scripture and it comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's been this branded love chapter. And I'm just gonna read a few verses from this. And I believe the love of God is challenging and convicting. I believe the love of God is challenging and convicting. Let me read just these few verses. I'll start in verse four. It says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. This one right here is so convicting. I'm like, could we have like edited that one out? Because I'm a firstborn. I'm used to getting my way. I want my way. And so when I've read this all week, it has been very challenging. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Is this not challenging or convicting? Like convicting is just an old school church word to say it's challenging. And God's love does this. And God's love was the primary motive for him to die on the cross for us while we were still sinners. And the reason why God loves us so much and that he came to earth to die on the cross for our sin is he knows that sin distorts our ability to give and receive love. That's why it's possible for our love to be misdirected. It's even possible for us to misinterpret love as well. His love does this. It challenges us to live holy and to direct our affections appropriately. And this is why I believe when Jesus was questioned about which of all the 600 plus commandments of the law of God, 
He directs it back to love. First, the love of God, and secondly, to the love of others. In Matthew 22, there's this moment where a man comes to Jesus and he says, which is the greatest commandment? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now these verses describe the central essence of who we are and the importance of love in our relationship with God and our interactions with others. So as we continue with our road trip today, let's discuss what it means to be all in on the greatest commandment. You see, this man that's asking this question is a lawyer or a scribe. He has studied the first five books of the Bible. He's probably interpreted it and taught it. And Jewish men would get together and they would have you know, questions of like, which one of the 600 plus commandments are heavier, which are lighter? If I, if I keep the heavier ones, can I be excused from the lighter ones? And Jesus goes, well, let me sum it all up. Let me sum it all up with these two. Love God with all of who you are and love others the way you want to be loved. Jesus's reply is actually quoting the first part is something that they've heard before. It's Deuteronomy 6.5. And so that doesn't take them by surprise. But most likely the second part is what took them by surprise. And we'll find out about that here in just a little bit later in the message. But I, when I was studying for this, what really stuck out to me was this part of this phrase in this verse, your God. This implies that this is personal to all of us. That he's not some far out of space God that doesn't want to be near us. He's actually a God that's commanding us and inviting us to be close to him. To be in personal relationship. Now this is very practical, but I just want to encourage you. Spending time with God actually doesn't cost you that much time. I want to encourage you. Spending time with God actually, and let me just say it like this. It's quality over quantity. When I was growing up in church, I felt like if I didn't spend an hour with God praying, that I had not reached the pinnacle of spiritualness. And I struggled because I have spiritual ADD. Anybody else have that? Because when I pray, I'm thinking about five other things sometimes at the same time. And so practically, I just started setting alarm for five minutes. And I just told myself, for five minutes, I'm going to devote my undivided attention to prayer, thanksgiving, and rejoicing, and submitting requests to God. And it is amazing how when you first start that five minutes, might seem like a long time. But as you continue, it becomes not just a discipline, but it becomes a delight. And I find myself hitting that alarm. When the alarm goes off, I find myself going, man, I need more time. And that's where, here's the thing. Like, I don't know if you have relationships with like, people in your life like this. When you call them up, and you may not have talked to them in a while, but you just pick off right where you left off. And I want to encourage you. God is not mad at you at all. He's just waiting on you to pick up the phone and call and spend time with him. And my dad and I, we talk every single day on the phone. 
sometimes for five minutes, sometimes for an hour, sometimes even longer. But we don't have this quota or this sheet, an Excel sheet of where we log in our time spent with one another. And that if we don't reach this certain pinnacle of time spent, that our relationship is incomplete. And God is the same way. God wants to have just a personal relationship with you. And there's going to be ebbs and flows in that relationship, but it is up to us to be intentional with the relationship. That's why God commands us to do it. I love this though. I love that God says this in Hebrews 4.16. He said, let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in our time of need. He's not only saying, hey, I command you to be in relationship with you, but I also want you to boldly approach the throne of grace, like boldly come into my presence. Man, I just think that's so encouraging. Now, for some of us, though, depending on how we raise and depending on our view of God, we may see this as God is a megalomaniac, that he's commanding us to worship him and to love him. But I would encourage you that it all depends on how you view God. It's your perspective. If you view God as a, as a drill sergeant and as this authoritative figure that's grumpy and old and mad, then that possibly could be your view of God, that he's the megalomaniac. But if you view God as a good, good father that created his children for relationship and that he's commanding this from a position of love, then you see it all differently. And I would encourage you with this, that even though we misuse love in our culture, God gets to define love. And his love transforms and changes our life. His love doesn't keep us the same. His love, again, changes us. And so love does not equal acceptance of sin. Love, here's the thing, Jesus loved this way. When people came to Jesus, he accepted them for who they were immediately. No matter what their background was, he accepted the woman that got caught in adultery, accepted them, her immediately. Zacchaeus accepted him immediately. But his love initiated this, go and sin no more. And that's what God does for all of us. His love, when we, he accepts us for who, who we are, but then he says, go and sin no more. Now, obviously, we're going to make mistakes. Obviously, we're going to sin. But then we boldly approach the throne of grace in our time of need. And here's the thing. God, in his wisdom, as a loving father, recognizes that our inclination is to devote our affection and our attention to temporary pleasures that offer only temporary fulfillment. And I know from my own experience, when I start to drift in my relationship with God, I become perpetually dissatisfied with life. But on the other hand, when I'm spending time with God, I become more satisfied with life. And anything that we love more than God will ultimately destroy us. Now, it doesn't destroy us immediately. It's just a slow fade. And that's why God says, I want you to be all in in these specific areas of your life. 
with your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And for just a moment, I want to break these down. Your, your, your heart is your emotions. It's your passions. It's your desires. And we're all driven by these. I had a psychologist tell me this recently. He said, we are humans. And, and oftentimes we're humans that think and have emotions. And then he said, but that's actually not true. We're humans that are emotions first and we sometimes think. And when I heard that, I was like, yeah, that's so true. Our soul is our inner self, eternal essence and spiritual nature. I believe this is where our self-worth comes from. Our mind is our intellect, our thoughts. It's how we process and understand life. And then our strength is our physical capabilities to serve others. And this includes our time, our resources, and our talents. Now, it's summertime, right? And... Our family, what we do in the summer is we go swimming and we swim a lot. We love swimming so much, we got a pool. And I don't know about you, but I'm 40 years old. And to get my body loose, I got to get in the pool first thing in the morning. So the first thing in the morning, I jump in the pool, like off the diving board, go all in. And I swim around, get my body loose, and then I go do a workout. And sometimes I get back in the pool. But as the day continues on my off days... Uh, my kids will come out later and they get in the pool and I'll be doing things around the pool. I'll be doing like maintaining the pool because if you have a pool, sometimes it's a lot of work to keep the pool crystal clear. If anybody has a pool, you know what I mean. My brother actually said this recently. Actually, I think it was Thursday night. He was in my pool and he goes, man, I'm so glad you paid for this. But there are times where I have my swimming trunks on, I'm around the pool, and my kids are like, get in the pool, daddy, get in the pool. And I reluctantly get in the pool, and I'll be in the shallow end. And they're like, no, daddy, get in the deep end. Like my son will like, get in the deep end, daddy, get in the deep end. And that's what God is saying to all of us this morning. It's so easy to be around the things of God. You can be all around the pool, but you may not be in the pool. You can come to church. You can be on the dream team. You can serve. You can be around. Like I got the swimming trunks on. It looks like I'm ready to be in the pool, but I'm not in the pool. And God is saying, get all in with your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Because it's so easy to be far from God in your soul and in your mind and then serve God with your strength. And God is saying, I want all of it. And look, once you love God appropriately and first, it becomes a lot easier to love people. And once you love people, it becomes a lot easier to give generously. Each value builds upon the next. So as we continue with this road trip, I want to explore what it means to live out the first and the second greatest commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The second commandment that Jesus gives us is love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus has this interaction with a, a scribe, a, a, a lawyer, and this guy wants to justify himself. And so he says, well, who's my neighbor? And that's a good question to ask, I think. And Jesus gives a reply, and we find it in Luke chapter 10. 
And it says, but he desiring to justify himself said to Jesus, who's my neighbor? And Jesus replied with a story. This story is pretty famous. It's the story of the good Samaritan. He said, a man was going to Jerusalem from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him, beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day, he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever you spend more, I'll repay when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. This parable proves that you can believe right and yet be wrong in the way you love people. You see, the Samaritan didn't believe right. He, Samaritans had changed some of the scriptures to try to kind of make their culture seem like the correct way to live for God. And the Jews hated them because of it. And the priest and the Levite believed right. They knew all the scriptures. They had probably some of them memorized and yet they missed the simple application of love, compassion, and care for their fellow human. And here's the thing. The lawyer in this story is actually looking for a checklist of who is and who isn't my neighbor. Like who do I have to love and who do I get an exemption from? And the checklist doesn't exist. Living out the second greatest commandment is not conditional. It's not based on ethnicity, orientation, political affiliation, or religion. It's not based on all those things. And look, it is a challenge to love people sometimes, especially the people that don't believe like us, act like us, behave like us. And it's tempting to separate our love for God and our love for people. But they are two sides of the same coin. And I'm not sure about you, but sometimes it's so much easier for me to love strangers and be kind to them than it is for the people in my household. It's difficult. Like I find myself being short and quick tempered with them, but then I'm super kind to the people outside of my home. And it's a contradiction. It's really, I'm a hypocrite. And that's why that love chapter this week has been so convicting because I've been trying to get my own way and love is not boastful or proud. Man, y'all, I'm glad Jesus loves me though. He loves me so much that he convicts me and he changes me. And look, loving people is inconvenient. The priest and the Levite had this religious obligation. If they stopped to help the beaten man, they would be considered unclean according to the law. So they had like a religious excuse. However, Jesus illustrates that if you love God first, then you will fulfill the law when you love others second. It's literally putting yourself in someone else's shoes. 
If it was you, how would you want to be treated? Living out the second greatest commandment requires us to shift our thinking, start seeing inconveniences as opportunities. And that is so challenging. Like to see the inconvenience, like when you got a plan and then that plan gets derailed, you got to like, you got to have a moment there with God and go, oh God, help me see this as an opportunity. Especially when you're running late, right? Man. But the good Samaritan had this mindset. He, his position was what's mine is yours and you can have it. And I think this should be our heart as well. He risked his comfort. And look, sometimes it's not safe following Jesus. It will require you to cross borders. Just like I did just a couple of weeks ago. It's, it's really interesting because when we go, we fly to San Diego and then you actually walk across the border with your luggage. And it's uncomfortable, right? I'm 6'5", and sleeping on a twin bunk bed in a cabin with no air conditioning in Mexico, which thank God, it was actually, they were having a cold spell. Who would have thought we would have went to Mexico and it had been colder there than here? But nevertheless, I'm on this bunk and I'm a little bit complaining about it. And uh, I grab another mattress pad to put down so that it would make it softer, but yet I can still feel the plywood underneath me. And my sleep was about every 45 minutes to an hour, I'm waking up, I'm tossing and turning, I'm sleeping at an angle, because again, I'm 6'5". It's actually quite humorous. And then I get cold in the middle of the night and I only brought a sheet because I thought it was going to be hot. So I'm shivering. So then I'm crawled up like in the fetal position. And I'm complaining in a moment. And then we get to the job site on Monday where we're building a house for people that have no place to lay their head at all. And although I lost a lot of sleep that week, here's what's crazy. Is it completely rejuvenated my soul? I've been on vacations... I've been on vacations where it didn't do what last week did. It just changed me. And it's because we had time where I prioritized my time with God. I felt like all of me was loving God. And it made it so much easier to love people. I was all in with my heart, my mind, my soul, my strength. And look, the good Samaritan is living out the greatest commandment. He's risking his comfort, he's giving generously, he's providing care and healing, and he never stopped loving him until he was completely restored. And you may not be able to help everyone, but you can do something. And look, do for the one that you wish you could do for everyone. And when we live in the right alignment with our values of love God, it will simply manifest in our actions of loving people. They just naturally fall in the right order. Because if we love God most, we'll love others best. And as we come to the end of our first road stop on this road trip, I want you to remember a few things as it relates to values. It's sometimes a height to get to where you want to go. It's work. There are other places you have to choose not to go in order to go to the places you want to go. 
And values are like that. So today, maybe the road trip you've been on, you find yourself beaten up because you're on this road trip called life and for whatever reason, maybe intentionally or unintentionally, you've gone down the wrong path and life has been hard, it's been difficult. And perhaps this road has been marked by hardships. Maybe it's a failing marriage. Maybe it's a failed marriage. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one, tragic circumstances. Maybe you're battling addiction or you have a child that's battling addiction. Maybe it's the challenges of being a single parent. Maybe it's a student here today and you're struggling with a learning disability. Or maybe you're a student here today and you're struggling with the recent news that your parents are splitting up. Maybe you're a spouse of a deployed soldier. Maybe you're a veteran or you're a soldier whose spirit and soul and physical well-being has been completely, completely affected by the demands of being in the United States military. Or maybe it's the weight and the shame and the guilt and depression of the overall burden of sin that's left you beaten up on this road trip called life. Well, today I wanna encourage you that despite your circumstances, there's a good Samaritan and his name is Jesus. And when you find yourself feeling all alone and beaten up on this road called life, abandoned by the world, Jesus comes alongside of you. He left the confines of heaven to come and save you from this world. He loves you. And his redemption is an offer of hope in the midst of our darkest moments. And here in just a moment, we're gonna have a prayer team that's gonna come up to the front. And I wanna encourage you, if you need prayer, don't leave today without having somebody pray for you. There's been moments in my life where I didn't have the words or the energy to pray for myself, but somebody else recognized the need in my life. I needed them to lay hands on me and pray for me. This actually just happened not long ago here at church. Somebody asked me, they said, how are you doing? I said, I'm not doing well. And they laid their hands on me and prayed for me. And then I went to Mexico and man, God just did a work in my heart. And so I emailed that person and I said, man, thank you so much for your prayer. I wanna encourage you, take a step of faith, come down here and allow somebody to pray with you. And look, honestly, no matter where you're at on this journey, this road trip called life, I wanna encourage you with this last final thing wholeheartedly devote yourself to God. Offer unwavering love and devotion with entirety of your being. From the depths of your heart, from the vastness of your mind, from the core of your soul. Let love for God permeate every aspect of your existence, driving your thoughts, guiding your actions, shaping your identity. And every breath you take and in every thought you ponder, and in every endeavor you pursue, let the profound love of God be the driving force that fuels your life's purpose and leads you to deeper connection with God the Father. Amen? Can we stand up on our feet? I think it's appropriate here at LifePoint, we use this term all in a lot. And I wanna encourage you to go all in and repeat this prayer after me. Will you join me? God, I believe that Jesus, you are Lord. That you died for me so I can live for you. I confess my sin. I repent. I turn to you. Now fill me with your spirit. Direct me by your word. 
I'm all in. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to our message. My prayer for you is that you've been inspired and challenged by the message and also moved in your devotion to Jesus. If you'd like to grow in your walk with Jesus Christ, stay connected or even partner with us through generosity, please be sure to visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. We hope you have a blessed week and we will see you next Sunday.